hey, aren't, aren't you glad that we live in a day and time where we've been able to reduce or even eliminate the time that we have to wait between when we want something and when we get it? And let's be honest, I'm not hating on anyone. This is a good thing. So many of you in this room, we live in a place that's really making that a deal across not just our city and our nation, but around the world. So many of you are are helping us be able to do things faster. And so I'm going to thank you on the front end, and then we'll sort of, you know, deal with the problems that come with that. But there's so many things. The internet has changed everything, right? Being able to travel globally from point A to point B, that's changed everything. To be able to get places quicker. Um, Email itself has kept us from having to wait by the mailbox for days or weeks for things that would arrive from another place. Many of you have people, your parents or children live in other countries. There's over 40 or 50 nations represented in our church. And so you can get on the phone with your mom or dad without having to pay for it later today, even though they are for ever away from you. They're already into Monday, right? Anybody's family live in a place where they're already into Monday? That's awesome. That is so cool. Uh, but you're able to, to, you don't have to wait, like for whatever. You just get to talk to them right then. Um, for those of you that are still students, um, there was a day and time where we had to wait for our report card to get mailed to us. Or and it didn't come to us. It went to our parents, right? And even though we were in college, that was a little bit awkward because mom and dad were told by us we were doing a little better. Then we actually were. But now if you're in school, from what I understand anyway, I was in that bygone era. But what I understand is your professor has your grades. And as soon as it gets onto their computer, there's a way it gets, you're able to have it shared with you and be into it right away. Um, It's incredible. And some of you don't even know what this is, but we used to have to drive to movie rental stores. (laughs) And Blockbuster wasn't just the latest film coming out. It was the place that we spent our Friday nights. Right? And listen, if they were good movies, you got them for one night, right? And then you paid the fee if you didn't get them back in time. And it's like, that movie was so good, it was worth it. Let's pay for it another night, you know? Um, But you hated being the person at, at the Blockbuster where the previous customer had kept the movie, right? You had it on hold. I mean, you had it reserved for you. Well, today you can literally get it downloaded in a moment to your television or to your computer. And so, so many things have been able to speed up time. Um, you can get a new iPhone before your contract even runs out. I mean, I can't, that's a rule in our house. I can't, but you, some of you, I know like, but Ben, I'm in technology. I've got to have it before it comes out. Go for it. Do it. Amazon has really revolutionized everything right? It was amazing that you could order literally almost anything from the internet and get it by the end of the week. And then it was two-day shipping. And then you could be a $100 Prime member for the year. And, or, or like me, sort of, uh, you know, leech onto someone else's Prime account. Anybody still doing that? It's all right. I think it was welcome. It was okay. Some of you, I, I won't even get into what some of you do. That's suspect. Well, stay out of the gray areas this morning, right? Um, and then Amazon was like, you can have it next day. And right now there are billboards around our city that you can have it within the, within the hour. It's crazy. I mean, how many of you have been to an actual store to buy a Christmas present this year? Why? I'm terrible. I go to the shoe store and, well, not, I, I go to the shoe store. I guess what we used to do with bookstores, but it's a shoe store that never has sales. So I just go there to try my shoes on. Anybody else have a place where you go to try your clothes on, but I'm not ordering it from there because, they, you know, and it's changed everything. It's amazing that you can get your phone out and in one or two clicks, you can have an Uber or Lyft driver pull up and take you almost wherever you want to go in a pretty expedited fashion. It's crazy the world that we live in. But here's what's happened to us. We've gotten used to not having to wait for anything. 
And no matter how advanced technology is today or how advanced it's going to be in the next 10 or 20 or 50 years, there are going to be some things, no matter what happens, that you are going to simply have to wait on. And what the deal is, is most of those things are the most important kinds of things in life. Right? There, there, there are things like uh, some of you want to start a family and you've been doing your part, right? But you are waiting. Some of the couples in our church, and you don't know if or when it's ever going to happen. I've been talking to a lot of people lately who are looking for jobs and they're like, Ben, you wouldn't believe it, but they tell me they're going to call me back and I am still waiting. And I never know whether to burst their bubble at that moment, right? Like, um, I'd apply for something else. You know what I mean? Um, but but you, you can't do anything about that. Some of you have past friendships and relationships that went south, and you've tried to do your part to reconcile. You've made the phone call. You've written the letter. But you don't know how long you're going to have to wait for them to do their part and bring the relationship back together. There are some things, really important things in our lives that we can't speed up. You can take medicine, but you don't know when or if you'll ever be healed of cancer. Right? You can go to counseling, but can the marriage be saved? And you don't know how long you're having to wait for it. Last week, we kicked off this Advent series called Waiting Here for You. The word Advent literally means arrival. But all of us have lived long enough to know that when we are waiting for something to arrive, sometimes we have no clue when it's going to come or if it's going to come at all. And so we just wait. And what I want to say is this, no matter how great you think you are, every one of us, we are terrible when it comes to waiting. Now, most of you are more patient than I am, but that's not saying a lot. We're terrible when it comes to waiting. Like, Ben, how do you know? Because if you and I have a chance to expedite it, we will, right? We're terrible at this. But if it's going to have to be a part of our lives, I think we should at least attempt to get somewhat better at it. And what I want to talk to us about today is that many of us in this room have assumptions about God's love when we find ourselves in a season of waiting. We just have assumptions about that. And what we begin to think, especially with all the things we just mentioned and more that we can have instantly, we begin to think that when we have to wait, that that's really the exception to the rule, right? Like, oh, that's my one or two waiting periods or seasons in my entire life. But when I open the pages of scripture, I don't find that it's the rare thing to wait. I find it to be what's normative for the people of God. I just get a few pages in and I find Abraham and Sarah. And God says, you're going to have a child, not just one child, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations, so much so that in a place called the United States of America, thousands of years later, preschoolers are going to sing about you being a dad to many people. They're going to have these awkward sign motions. But they wait and a year goes by. And then another year goes by. And then five years go by. And then 10 years go by. And then when they're past the point of being able to bear children naturally, Abraham at 100, Sarah at 90 years old, then finally God shows up. But they wait forever. I get a few more pages towards the end of Genesis and I see a guy named Joseph. Joseph is 17 years old and he has a dream about how he's going to rule and reign in a place of leadership. By the way, if you ever have a dream like that, don't tell your siblings. Okay? He does tell his siblings. His brothers hate him. They're jealous of him. They make their dad, Jacob, believe that Joseph is dead. They want to kill him. They end up putting him in a pit. 
They take him out of the pit, not to help him, but to sell him into slavery. He gets sold, and now he's a slave. He ends up a slave in the household of Potiphar. While he's in the household of Potiphar, Potiphar's wife accuses him of doing something criminal to her that he did not do. Now he finds himself in prison. While in prison, he helps someone out by interpreting their dream. That person gets out of prison and forgets that Joseph ever existed. And then at the age of 30, some 13 years later after the dream, now he's working for Pharaoh. Think about the people of Israel who were enslaved under the rule and reign of Pharaoh. A year goes by, and then a decade goes by, and then a century goes by, and eventually 400 years go by. And I don't know why it took God so long, but eventually God says, Hey, I've heard your cry. And you've got to be thinking, if you're part of that camp, what? Yeah, I, yeah my father cried out to you, and my grandfather, and let's write. Four centuries later, you're doing something. Thanks, God. And he sends Moses to free the people under or from the rule and reign of Pharaoh. Friends, this is what's normative. Waiting for you and me isn't the exception when we look at the history of the people of God. It is the norm. Who's encouraged for Christmas? This, this is the way it plays out. Not for a few of us. This is, seems to be the way. Think about Noah. Did he wait a little bit? It wasn't that he didn't need to be working while he was waiting. It wasn't that we don't need to be praying while we're waiting. But if you want to live a life void of waiting, you're going to have to live a different life than the life God has for you. Just our reality. So what I want to do today is unlock what seems to be mutually exclusive things. Here are the two things that I think we've got to learn to hold in tension. I think this is the big aim. How do we hold these two things in tension? That we're waiting on God to do something for us when he could do something. And yet he's claiming to love us in some steadfast, never giving up, never failing kind of way. How do we bring those things together? That the God who claims to love us always and forever and his love never fails and it's always constant and it's always steadfast. He's the same God who's making you wait when he could do something about it. What do you do with that? Well, if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 1. And if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We'll get one to you. There's a, one verse in Isaiah I'm going to read. So for those of you that, you know, like extra credit, you can go to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and keep your place in Matthew chapter 1. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get one to you, and you'll be able to follow along, and it'll be on the screen as well. Isaiah seven fourteen. if you'll stand with me. It's a prophecy that we hear often this time of year. It's what God speaks through the prophet to the people of God. Here's what Isaiah says. Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Stay up for a moment. We'll get to Matthew in just a second. So there's this amazing pronouncement. Emmanuel, God with us, is coming onto the scene. But just like Joseph or just like Abraham and Sarah, they thought it would be a little bit quicker from when God said it's going to happen to when it did happen. Do you know how long it took? This was spoken in the 700s B.C. So the 700s come and go. The 600s come and go. The 500, the 400, the 300, the 200, the 100s come and go. And then eventually we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 1, an angel showing up to speak to Joseph about what is going on inside of Mary's body. Matthew 1, 21 through 23. The angel says to Joseph, she will bear a son, that's Mary, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Have a seat. There's so many things that have become revolutionary for me just in the topic we're talking about today over the last week. And here's one of the things that I think a lot of us have assumptions about. We tend to think and believe actively that God is out there somewhere in the future where the breakthrough is for us. Does that make sense? Like it's not hard for anybody in this room to see God answer a prayer and believe that God is with you, right? If a relationship gets reconciled, you might leave that meeting going, wow, God was really with me right? Or, or, or if you get a job that you're unqualified for, you might say that God is what? God was really with me. But I don't hear you or I say that when we leave the interview where we don't get the job. I, I don't see us leave the doctor's office getting a report that we didn't want and go, man, God was really with me. And so I think we live with this assumption that God is out there in the future where whatever the thing is that I want is. Does that make sense? So God's out there in the future on the day when I finally make partner with my firm. God is out there when I finally get out of this terrible financial situation. That's when God is with me. I, I will believe God is with me when we get to that moment. That's where he lives right now. He's, he's out there somewhere that, that God's up there where I am finally freed from my addiction. That's where God is residing. But we don't think that God's in this present moment with us until we get what we long for. Until the breakthrough happens. Until the thing that we're so wanting finally becomes our reality. We think that God is out there. But, but what if we don't have to wait for the breakthrough moment that we're longing or even praying for to experience the presence of God? In his book, on Advent, a devotional on Advent, Waiting Here for You, Louis Giglio writes this. He says, while we are waiting on God, what does it say? While we are waiting on God, we are waiting with God. God is there the whole time. While we are waiting on God to do something, we're waiting with God. God is there the whole time. You see, I think I've thought so long that God is in that moment where the good phone call finally comes. That God is in the moment where the job offer comes. That God is in the moment when the relationship gets healed or the body gets healed. That's where God is. And so he's not with me because I'm struggling. He's not with me because I'm lonely. He's not with me because I'm still waiting. And Louis is saying, I think what Emmanuel of the scriptures is saying is I am with you in that. Emmanuel doesn't mean God in front of you. It doesn't mean God of the future. It doesn't mean God when all is going well or when you have the breakthrough moment. It simply means God with us. He's in it with you. And one of the reasons it's hard for us to believe that is we think this, if God was really in this with me, then he would do something about it. And what I want to say today is that it is better to be with God and not get the thing that we want than to get the thing we want without being with God. It's better. Moses was the man that God called upon to go and free his people from the slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh. And, and there came this point where he let them out and then they would get to these points and God would be like, hey, just wait. Wait for the cloud to move. When the cloud moves, you move. And they end up at this place and God's like, all right, Moses, it's time to go. But listen to what Moses' response is to God. In Exodus thirty-three, fifteen. Moses says to God, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. This is something that's hard for us, but we should adopt this for our lives. 
no matter how much money you're being offered, how incredible the offer seems, you should be able to say this to God when you go into that job interview. God, if you do not go, with, if you're not going with me, I don't want that. No matter how lucrative it is, that's what Moses is doing. He, you remember the report about the promised land, okay? The, the promised land is going to be awesome. But what does Moses say? God, if you don't go with me, I would rather wait here with you and not have the promised land than to have the promised land and not have you. Some of us are trying to go around God. Some of us are trying to move on without God. Abraham and Sarah, they waited really faithfully for a while, didn't they? But they wouldn't wait forever. Came this moment where they realized they would rather have a child than they would do it God's way in the waiting. And so they were like, there's our servant girl, Hagar. Abraham, why don't you go just spend, spend some time with her and maybe we'll be able to get what we want without having to do it God's way. Anybody else ever done that? Like, Ben, this is not one of those questions we put our hands up for. I'm not raising my hand until all of you do. I've never done it either. Nothing like Abraham and Sarah. I have never taken an opportunity into my own hands. Thank you. No, that's not true at, at all. But we've become convinced that that, that, that the thing we want is better than what God wants for us. And we even become convinced that the thing we want is better than God himself. Some of us have knowingly walked away from God in our lives to have something that we didn't think he was giving us in the time he should have given it to us. What is it for you? What have you walked away from because God didn't give it to you when you thought you needed it? And others of us have assumed that God doesn't love us because he doesn't give us what we want when we want it. Now, can you imagine if Shauna and I gave our children what they wanted when they wanted it? None of you would be, be going like, Ben, you guys are such loving parents, right? If our kids got what they wanted when they wanted, they wouldn't go to school except for recess, right? Or field trips. I, I know you're an academician. I know that you'll be there. <laughs> Sam's a little over the top with the school stuff, which is great. Um, they wouldn't eat vegetables. They wouldn't take showers. They wouldn't go to sleep. There would be no limit on screen time. I mean, on and on and on and on. Right? And none of you would go like, you guys are such loving parents. Yet when God doesn't give you what you want, when you want it, you think he isn't loving to you. One of the things we're trying to hold in tension is how do we believe that God is with us when he's not doing what we wish he was doing? Found this verse in the Psalms in Psalm 37, 7. Psalm 37 is a great chapter. It's where in verse 4, it's psalmist is like, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But in 37, 7, he says this. Pay attention. I think it helps us bring the tension together. He says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way over the man who carries out evil devices. The back end is huge. Like, hey, when you see your coworkers or your neighbors or your siblings or people in this church getting what they seem to want, but they're getting it their way, don't be jealous of them. Because you've, become, you've come to a place where you know it's better to forfeit what you want in this season than to forfeit the presence of God in your life. But in ver- the first part of this verse is huge. It, it comes together for me, and I hope it will for you. So we're asking that question, is God in the future only in the place where he's going to act? Or can he be present here? Look at what the psalmist says. He says, be still before the Lord, and what? And wait patiently for him. I think oftentimes when I'm waiting on God to act, that his presence is somewhere in the future. Anybody else? But he's giving us this way to hold both intention. Wait, like be still before the Lord. You can only be still before someone with whom you're in their presence, right? Everybody clear on that? Like there's this presence thing going on from the psalm. It's like, be still before the Lord and what? And wait. 
And the psalmist, unfortunately like us, he didn't have a device on his fingertips to numb himself until the thing came along. Only me. I'll pretend like I'm not waiting. Then I'll wake up one day and it'll be there, but I'm not going to think about it, pray about it, worry about it, long for it. He says, no, here's, here's the secret. While you're waiting for God to act, you don't have to forfeit the presence of God in your life. Some of you are pretending like God's not with you because he hasn't given you yet what you think you should get. You don't have to give up the presence of God just because he hasn't acted in the way that he is going to later, or maybe he's not going to act in the way you think he should at all. So it's like, be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. What I want to do at this moment is to show you the entire history of this idea of Emmanuel, God with us. I'm going to show you where it began. There'll be a little bit of a review where we've been this morning. And then I want to show you where it's leading to ultimately forever, this whole idea of Emmanuel. So in the 700s BC, you see the prophet Isaiah, God speaking through him going, hey, it's going to happen. I'm going to come. I'm going to be present. And then some 700 plus years later, Christmas, right? The baby is born. As John says it in his gospel, the word Jesus became flesh and he dwelt among us. He pitched his tent among us. He tabernacled among us. He moved into our neighborhood of humanity. He came to be with us. And Jesus grows up and about 30 years of age, he begins his public ministry. And then he ends up being arrested and crucified. And do you know why? It's because he claimed to be Emmanuel. They were fine with him, him being human among them. They were not okay when he claimed to be what? God among them. God with us. That's what got him killed, Emmanuel. Claiming that that's who he was. So he's on the cross and he utters these words to God. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the first moment in all of ever, (laughs) however far ever goes back with God and Jesus, which is forever, the first moment that Jesus didn't get to experience God with him so that we might get to experience what? God with us. Jesus dies. You know the Easter story. Three days later, resurrection happens, and they're like, awesome, Emmanuel is back in the house. But only for a little while, right? In Acts 1, Jesus ascends back to the Father, and he sends what, though, to be Emmanuel with us? He sends his... His Holy Spirit to dwell in us. So we've still got the Emmanuel thing intact. And though that's awesome today, we're headed towards an even better reality in the future with Emmanuel. John gives us the book of Revelation. And this is where God gives him this vision about how things are going ultimately for those who belong to him and for those who don't. But for those who belong to Jesus through faith in him, here's what John gives us in Revelation 21 verse 3. This is our ultimate reality of Emmanuel. I want you to notice how many times the word with shows up in this one verse. And if you don't get excited about this, I've got nothing left to give you. Like nothing. Like, yeah, God with me, big deal. That's all I got. Here's what he says. John says in this vision, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell. Am I the only one reading this? Hey, Ben, this just isn't really exciting. All right, I'll say it. You don't, you're no longer participating. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying what? Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This is not in a awesome Holy Spirit moment way. This is not in a prophecy that will be fulfilled later way. This is a, when all is said and done for those of us who belong to Christ, we're going to be with him. The scriptures say there'll be no need for the son there. Why? Because who's with us? God is. 
If you can't lock into that and lock onto that and that provide a hope in this season and in the rest of your life, I have nothing else to infuse hope with. If you were to go in and read that chapter in the next, very next verse, all pain is going away. All tears are going to be dry. And God's going to be with us. And there'll be no more longing or waiting or pain. They'll no longer be wondering if we're going to get what we want most. We will have everything that we've ever wanted, even if we didn't know we wanted it. So in the meantime, we've got to be able to trust what we can't see. In the meantime, we've got to be able to trust that God's love is present, that his timing is perfect, even though it's not our time. Has God ever done anything according to your time? Because I'm 04 in that category. Like, I got nothing. I can't ever go, God, I wanted you to do this then, and you didn't do it then. Or, you know, you did do it then. Paul said it to the Galatians like this, thinking about Christmas, thinking about the steadfast love of God, thinking about God being with us. He says it like this in Galatians 4, 4, and 5. He says that, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. His, he, there's his action. God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive what? Adoption. Adoption. The sons and daughters. In his time, you're like, Ben, when is the fullness of God's time? I don't know. And another PhD is not going to help you know either. I don't know. But I know that his time and his activity are always ultimately for our good. For those of us who are living a with God life, we placed our faith in Jesus. That he is Emmanuel. That he came to die. That when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth a son to redeem those who were under the law. So that we might receive adoption so that we might receive adoption. Our church right now, probably in every season this is true, but our church is full of people right now who are waiting. We have a young lady in our church. She's waiting for her green card. She had her interview last Monday. And you're like, Ben, oh, that's nice. She'll be able to, you know, either live back in England where she's from or she'll be able to live here and it'll be a great whatever. No, she's not from England. She's from a place that if she doesn't get her green card, her life and the lives of her family members are in danger. She's waiting. Have another young lady I talked to Friday night. Her father passed away on October 28th. She knew that 13 years ago I lost my mom. And she says, how long am I going to have to wait for it not to be this painful? Some of you are still waiting for the job offer. Some of you are still waiting to know, can you stay in San Francisco? Some of you, a number of couples in our church are waiting to know, like, will we ever be able to start a family? How long are we going to have to wait? When do we need to take things into our own hands? Whatever. It's just our reality. Some of you, your careers are headed towards transition. Others of you are close to retirement. No, that, if, if you don't know that that's you, that's not you. Okay. I mean, I know you're praying that IPO thing will go, but just for 26, you don't need to retire. I don't care what's in store. We're just waiting. And I would love to be able to promise you that this thing's going to come just before the end of the year. But I can't do that. So I've got to promise you something that I can promise you, which is this. Waiting has always been normative for the people of God. But you don't have to wait without him. And it is better. It's better. It's better. It is better to wait with God than to move on and get the thing you think you have to have without him. If God is who he says he is, then shouldn't we be reminded this morning that we want to be with him and we want his way. And I know what some of us are thinking, but Ben, isn't God outdated? Like, I've got some ideas God's probably never thought of. All right, I've got a degree from this place. I've got, you know, I, some, some of you are consultants. We've got a lot of consultants in our church. Um, God's not looking for one. 
And everything. But Ben, I've got this amazing idea. I was on the whiteboard one day and came up with this idea that never been thought of. Not Einstein, not, not Freud. Like no one ever came up with it. Probably not God himself. You know, God didn't even have a whiteboard back then. Like I've got something he needs to see. God has something he wants you to see. He wants you to see the fullness of his time being perfect. He wants you to see that it is time, when it is time to act, he is willing to act. And he's doing it for your good. And he's wanting you to hold intention that because he loves you, every one of your requests won't be yes. Some of them will be no. And a lot of them will simply be not now. And what you've got to decide and I've got to decide is will we hang on to him when we aren't getting the thing we wish we were grasping? Many of you know mine and Shauna's story over these last three years. We waited over three years and finally got to bring our daughter home. And here she is on the front row taking good notes. Good. You got. uh, Yes. That answer is always yes. When your dad's a pastor, no matter what is the reality. And some of you might expect us to go, oh, it took over three years. Now looking back, you guys can look back and see, oh, there's so many great reasons why it took that long. I don't have any of those. She's in a place where she wasn't with a family and not being treated how she should have been treated. So I don't have a, yeah, we look back now and we go, oh, it's so great. We got those three. No. But here's what I've learned. Even in the darkness, even in the hard spots, me having an answer to my why questions isn't nearly as amazing as having the presence of God with me in my waiting. And to the degree that you discover that, you'll be set free from a lot of your own expectations. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your strong word today. God, I sense your presence all throughout the preparation this week. I sense your presence here. But God, I know that there are individuals in this room, maybe even in my own heart, where we still want something that you're not giving us. And we're tempted to take it into our own hands. And God, sometimes the only way to the spot that you have for us is to wait. But God, we are not waiting on our own. We are not alone. God, may we... May we heed what the psalmist says. We would be still before you. We would be in your presence, even while waiting for you to act. God, help us to trust your timing. God, I know that there are maybe hundreds of stories, even in this room alone, where people are waiting for this or that. God, I pray you would give them what is best for them. God, I pray that in their waiting, they would draw near to you in a way they never have. So God, come. We thank you for the reality of Emmanuel, both now through your spirit and in a full and final way in your presence forever, one day. Draw people to yourself in this moment, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's respond with what God's done for us.